Welcome to the Future Fair Food Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm Sinead. Join us in conversations with the change makers shaping a new fairer food system. Welcome back to the Fair Food Podcast. This month we had the great pleasure to talk to two amazing women who are passionate about fermentation. And we found them both to be as bubbly and refreshing as the ferments that they make. Enjoy the episode. My name is Terry Ann Fox. I am a fermentation enthusiast and food activist. Uh, Terry Ann, tell us how did you get into fermentation? So about 10 years ago, um, I was living in San Francisco. Okay, so I've lived most of my adult life in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I've just moved to Ireland um, about 19 months ago. Three days and four hours. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 55 minutes. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was addicted to kombucha. Like, um, kombucha in the States, not in the States, I shouldn't say that, in San Francisco and California is, it's become really mainstream. You know, mm -hmm. you can go to any Walmart and you can get Synergy, like, while you're waiting in line of checkout. Um, so about 10 years ago, it probably wasn't as popular, um, but I became addicted to it and I was spending an awful lot of money on it. So for like 12 ounces, you're talking anywhere between like $3.50 to like eight euro, depending okay, on like yeah. how small the brewery is. Yeah. And I thought this has to like, you know, there has to be a way. So I did some research and I went to like my local co-op, which is a total hippy dippy rainbow grocery in San Francisco. <laughs> it's heaven on earth actually, <laughs> but they didn't have a SCOBY. And I was like, well, heck, what am I going to do now? Went back home, went to another co-op. They didn't have it. Um, so I ordered one online. Got the SCOBY home. Um, I, had, I had bought two books. And I watched YouTube videos. I was ready to make kombucha. The first batch that I made, I threw out. Yeah. Because if you've seen what a SCOBY looks like, it's yeah. like not of this planet. <laughs> You're like, this can't be good for me. <laughs> this can't be right. I've done something wrong. You know? So I thought, and I read like that it is going to look uneven. There's going to be some spotting, blah, blah, blah. Um, there were all these yeast strings, I remember. And I thought, this just, you know, this can't be right. So yeah. I, I started like filtering it. That was the first thing I started to do was put it through like this fine mesh sieve. And I still thought like the things that you're pulling out from that sieve, you know, just the texture. I thought, no, threw it out, <laughs> ordered another one, started over. But I remember at that time thinking like, I wish there was a support group that I could connect with. Yeah. You know, or I wish that there was like... Somebody who could show me how to mm. do this. Um, it turns out, actually, that my grandma used to make it okay. back in the day. Oh, yeah, wow. when she yeah. was like in her 60s. And we called it mushroom tea. And ah. I think um, it, it does sort of look like it's not a fungus at all. But it, um, that's what the I Russians call always it. thought. Yeah. But yeah. I think because I heard that word before, yeah. that's why it mushroom was in my head tea. that it is yeah. actually a mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. And the Russians coined it. Like in their language, it's like maliki gribami or gribui or something like that. Um, Anyways, so we, call, we always told her she was drinking mushroom tea. She was way ahead of her time, clearly. <laughs> um, anyways. She was hip before it was hip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Right. That's it. Uh, so I threw out the first batch, and then I got another one going, and then the rest is really history. Then I started, like, I was only brewing, like, a gallon at a time. Yeah. And then I was, like, two gallons or three gallons. And then I was, like, giving it to all my neighbors and all my friends and giving scobies away to everyone that I met, you know, anyone who take them, because, you, you know, <laughs> that's it, they grow, you can accumulate hundreds really quickly if you're brewing a lot of a booch, so it started there, and then I got Sandor Katz's book, Wild Fermentation, mm -hmm. was his first book, and I, like, from there, it was, it just became, like, science in the kitchen, which is so much fun, because mm -hmm. I'm really dedicated to home cooking, once I had children, like, we basically, we don't need any 
is processed of food that we purchase would be flour, dried beans, Mm. rice, sometimes pasta. But other than that, we try to make everything ourselves. Um, Yeah, so he's pretty much follows a similar uh, type of diet. So I got that book and started making kraut. And that's where the addiction really began. It just spiraled from there. The kombucha and kraut um, were the beginning. And then I moved on to uh, koji, miso, tempeh. We've made some soy sauce. Um, nice. Whoa, loads yeah. of condiments, tons of varieties of vegetables. And no matter how advanced um, the method of fermentation is, we always go back to the fermented vegetables. Yeah. yeah. They're so good. They never get old. And every combination creates completely different flavor profile so um, it's never the same it's, it's yeah. never the same and the other thing about fermented vegetables are so much about the flavor depends on the vegetable itself mm-hmm. um and the the ambient temperature of the room in which it was fermented in so every single batch is going to be a little bit different and sandra always says like every Every jar has um, a little bit of unknowable wildness, you know. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know, you know. It's real local food, though, isn't it? It's total, especially here in Ireland. Like, I mean, totally. It be more. It's it's if it's that yeah. you know if it's so controlled by as you say what's in the room, the ambient temperature, and everything else. Totally, it's actually unique to your kitchen. Totally, totally, and be amazing. And your and the season. I mean, yeah. Um, so I suppose because this was like this is the first mes- the first method of um, preserving food um, that we know as human beings, mm. like um, it allowed us to obviously take the abundance certain times of the year and and yeah. um, preserve them for enjoying later. I think. Um... I think that's why I like the ideas of fermented food. Yes. I haven't messed that much only with your own recipe. Um... <laughs> But I do like, I would love, I, I would love to really regain that skill because I think, you know, we obviously, we're coming into the hunger gap right now in Ireland mm-hmm. um, and it'd be great to take some of that abundance and really carry it in through this time of year. And particularly as you're coming into summer, because you kind of are at the last of a lot of the root vegetables right mm-hmm. now. And like, I'm, I've reached my max on turnip right now, so, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> but I'm not ready for salad because yeah. it's. Yeah, March in Ireland, so. you know. So I'd I'd love to be able to take that produce and bring it around. I suppose fermentation is a great tool mm. to have. Is it hard for someone to start? It couldn't be easier. I mean, all you need is a jar, um, a vegetable, and a bit of salt, and that's really it. And if you're following the sauerkraut method, which is my favorite, it's um, kind of finely chopping the vegetable so that it can so you can have enough surface space for the salt mm. to penetrate mm. and you can use its own brine to flavor it rather than adding water okay like a pickle brining um vegetables yeah. for example uh, i love it there's so much in ireland too like we're so lucky with mm-hmm. the climate that we have that there is fresh food available mm-hmm. all year long and if you're lucky enough to have a little polytunnel or some kind of cover you can the possibilities are endless yeah yeah what can you not ferment, or is there anything that you cannot ferment? There's nothing. Like any any living, um, any living plant can be fermented. If it's anything like your shelf on Instagram, <laughs> it looks like the colors and the. I can only imagine what the flavors are like. Yeah, I know. It's it's the possibilities are really endless, and all. I mean, I really try to use um, what we have available yeah. here in Ireland. So right now, it is a lot of carrots and turnips yeah. and beetroot. Um, 
or there's still some cabbages left over. Mm-hmm. Like Nerney Farm had a lot of cabbages this year and they yeah. kept them in cold storage and they're in great shape. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I love great. cabbage ferments. I know they're really, um, really basic, but they're so delicious and they really like maintain crunch for a really long time. Yeah. And besides the, the benefits of just, you know, preserving food, what, what are the nutritional benefits of, of ferments? The health benefits of fermentation? Yeah. Well, I think so. Fermentation has gotten like a lot of press recently um, about perceived health benefits. So, you know, it's important to understand that, um, you know, yogurt, salami, uh, kimchi are all going to have very different kind of nutritional value. Um, the health benefits of vegetables, for example, where to start with that? <laughs> where to start with that? So um, we know, for example, like with cabbage, there are actually vitamins and minerals that are that are there after the fermentation process mm-hmm. that are not there prior to the fermentation okay. process. Wow. Um, so, oh, we also know that fermented vegetables contain something called iso- Thio, no, isocyothionates, which are anti-carcinogenic. Okay. Um, Now, that's not to say that if you have cancer, you should race out and start making sauerkraut and it's going to cure you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course not. Um, So, and then when it comes to, there's two things that we talk about with um, fermented vegetables. One is Mm pre-digestion. So much like cooking, the, the, the vegetables are broken down. Your body doesn't have to work as hard to digest Mm -hmm. those. And then on the flip side is detoxification. So um, we know, like, I'd use an example of, like, sourdough. So we know that that all seed, um, like, all all seed plants have something called phytate, Mm -hmm. um, which binds up all the minerals in the seed, and our bodies can't access those. But with a sourdough fermentation, the fermentation not from a yeast fermentation, but from the lactic acid bacterial fermentation, um, makes all of those vitamins and minerals um, accessible for our bodies. Okay. That's often um, something that's um, <clears throat> in nutritional science, you know, we think mm-hmm. a carrot, vitamin A, great, eat loads of carrots and everything's grown, but it's about the, bio- the bioavailability of stuff as well and that's how it. we cook it and use it that makes these things. I didn't know that about accessible. cabbage. That's no. really, yeah. really interesting. It is, yeah. isn't it? To think that you can, by fermenting it, which you think, you know, right, for fermentation... The first thing is kind of extending the season, you know, you're, yeah. you're saving this to bring it in, but actually you're adding a whole new nutritional that's it. profile. That's it. And it's not just that, then, it, then it's probiotics and yeah. prebiotics. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not really like, why should I eat sauerkraut? It's like, why shouldn't I eat sauerkraut? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. That brings me to your post um, that you had the other day on Instagram. And it was about um, the sterilization and the homogenization of diets. Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, we are like our food production with, you know, we focus in on, on the same things and our diets actually are becoming this globalized one overall diet Completely. and fermentation because it, as we said, it's probably mm-hmm. the most local food you can have because it's so specific to your own mm-hmm. uh, kitchen. I, I love the way you kind of took fermentation as a tool that you can take to take action, I suppose, against that. That's it. It can be a political act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's That's the, the, I just, it's, it's a new way of looking at it that I'd never kind of thought about before. You know, you think fermentation, yeah, you think of the practicalities extended or whatever else. But mm. yeah, actually it is. It's a way for me to take back control yeah. of that sterilization of, of diets, even 
Yes, and, and the experience just as well, because what, what do we love to do most as humans? I mean, so much about the way we socialize is around food. Mm-hmm. And what better way to like show love and appreciation for those you love by bringing something that you made yourself, yeah. or something that you grew yourself, or something that your neighbor grew and that you made. You know, it's, it's a great way to connect people, too, and community. Yeah. Resurrect these ancient traditions. Yeah. So much to be said for it. Well, even like, you know, Ireland and its bog butters. <laughs> like, do you know, a lot of the butters that we have today aren't uh, any of the cultured butters that would have been so common before, you know? Like, even when I talked to MJ's uh, mom who used to make butter mm. and where they'd leave it in different places and how it would give different flavors. Yes, so yeah. there's a seasonality to the butter and the cow itself, but also in, in how it's done. So, do they add, I don't know that much about culturing butter, but mm. do they add, is it like a backslop method? Do they keep a little bit of butter to inoculate the no, next? No, most of them add in stuff now to, to traditionally. Butters. Traditionally, I think it was, I'm sure they it was all made with the wooden bats and but actually. Um, would have housed the bacteria yeah, and started yeah. there. MJ's mom had a, made a, a bowl sure. that they would just keep doing this with the butter with to yeah. round it. Sure. And like obviously that would have grown it was its wooden. own unique it was wooden. Yeah. And yeah. it's got all the cracks and everything. Yeah. So it's like cider. Totally. You know, cider used to have had its own unique yeah. flavors. And totally. Butter would have and, been the same. And those bacteria Beautiful. present in that bowl probably protected it. Yes. I mean in fact I'm certain that they did, that it did. That's the other thing I think about fermentation. It reminds us that not all bacteria is bad. I mean it's like this is like what we have to, this is the, this is the biggest part of it to mm-hmm. me, is that we have to change the way people think about bacteria, mm-hmm. period, for our health. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first time in human history that we've had to um, talk about introducing bacteria back into our gut because all of these, you know, it, it's fact now. All of the systems in our body are directly connected to our gut health. Mm-hmm. And if we're not eating living foods and real foods, you know, we're doing serious damage to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we have more and more research that can oh, back that up absolutely. now. And, and now what they found, the the, the gut-brain connection, totally. how it even influences our mood and influences like serotonin depression. Levels. And so, yes, yeah, finally there is a scientific way for the things that Kind of, we, we knew already the, all along. The humans but, knew instinctively. I yeah, mean, fermentation is not, you know, it's not an invention. No, this it's is a so naturally old. occurring process. We mm-hmm. didn't even, like, discover it. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. animals ferment foods. I mean, it's, it's much like fire, you know? Mm-hmm. We, um, but, what we've done, but what we've done as humans, as we've harnessed this invisible life force, and we have figured out how um, food changes over time, and we can create these conditions in order to... Um, to make you know these foods right mm. so it's really i mean it's it's amazing stuff and we've even lost so many of our cooking skills sure. and fermentation is such an old skill and such a simple skill yeah and once you learn it you know you you are extending this the life of that vegetable for yeah. your own health like there's a great sense of empowerment there as well yeah. to kind of go yeah i can eat this yeah there's yeah. a certain feeling as well that comes doing something with your own hands i mm-hmm. think that that Oh, absolutely. That just and, and, that's, and that's the thing about the workshops that I like, that I, that, that's, that's my thing is that I want to, I get so much from it. Yeah. And I get so much out of mm. the, the sourdough bread baking, so much out of the fermentation that I just, you know, I hope other people can like get a tiny bit of that taste because you know, so often, and now it's also in this day and age in the modern world, we're realizing that, you know, 
we want to get back to nature. Yeah. And some of us don't, you know, we don't live in a place where getting back to nature is, is accessible for us regularly. So, I mean, I feel like fermentation allows us to connect with nature through mm. the process. You know, you mm. don't have to go to the woods to get it. Yeah. You can witness um, the transformation in your own kitchen. Yeah. And I just think it's fascinating. Beautiful. Tell us a bit more about your workshops. So, mm -hmm. um, so I have uh, two hands-on workshops that I run. One is Introduction to Sourdough Bread Baking. Uh, it's a four-hour workshop. It's on my, I have a, a small holding farm. It's like six acres where I grow a lot of vegetables and um, we have a couple of goats and about 30 hens and bits <laughs> and pieces. Um, so people actually invite to my home and for the bread workshop, we Everything is 100% organic um, or wild. Uh, I cook everybody lunch. Um, we usually have a soup of things that came from my farm. And I bake fresh bread, obviously, to taste. And then I offer an array of wacky ferments. <laughs> Whatever season it is, you know. In, in summer, I often don't have any cabbage left. So yeah. we might have, like, a Chinese cabbage of some kind, like a, um, a kimchi. But, You know, you don't need cabbage to ferment, you know, anything, anything goes. Courgette is beautiful, spicy peppers, gorgeous. Oh, and then combining that. those with whatever fresh herbs you have, mm -hmm. even dried fruits, like, anyway, <laughs> we have an excellent lunch. Everyone really enjoys the lunch um, and everyone takes their bread home to bake. So mm -hmm. we work through the whole process, start to finish. It's a four hour, a four hour workshop. And then they take their bread home to bake. And we um, also have a WhatsApp group. Uh, with every workshop so people can troubleshoot um, with me when they get home because it can be pretty tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fermentation workshop is, is really taken off. Um, it's a three-hour workshop and it's hands-on. It's um, in the wintertime because it's, we've had cabbages available from Deirdre, luckily. And everything that, everything that we use is from a farm that isn't like more than 30 miles away. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we, don't, if we can't source everything from our own garden. Um, We work through the kraut process, start to finish, and then we break for snacks. Everybody samples the bread then and samples all of the, the variety of fermented goodies. And then um, the second half of the workshop is kombucha, and we work through that process. And everyone goes home with the culture. They go home with their finished kraut and instructions on how to take care of it and how to manage it, and the same for the, for the kombucha. Um, it's been really successful. Like when I came to Ireland, uh, I... I want to bake bread, mm -hmm. right? So I want to bake sourdough bread, and I've been trying to build an oven, but I had to get planning, and it's been mm -hmm. it's been a process. Um, so I thought, well, what could I do in the meantime? And everyone who has come into my kitchen has a million questions about what these things are. And of course, I go on to a tangent like I am right now about fermentation. It's changed my life, and it's the most amazing thing in the world, and I sell it hard. Because I truly, really, truly love it. And basically, you know, so many people said, oh, you should run a class, you should run a workshop. And I went, well, I can't get this bread oven up and running, so I should put this energy into something. And it's just really taken off. Like, And the best part of it is that I'm in contact with every single person that has taken the workshops. Yeah. Because we have these troubleshooting groups. Everyone gets added to a bigger group. So the people mm -hmm. with more experience can also lend advice. It's not just me Excellent. having to answer every single question. It's a community, isn't it's it? It's a total Great. community. Yeah. And, like, there's so much success in it. You know, like, your, your mom, for example, yeah. took the, both of the workshops. And her bread, you know, when you see the pictures of people's bread oh, turning up. My WhatsApp was just <sighs> all the crowds. It was, so it was the kombucha, and yes. then it was the bread. And there must be about three different yes. shots of the bread from different angles. She's yes. like, look at the bread. That's I'm like, good. I know, I know. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> and there are people who, you know, they do the kraut, and they do, and, and then they go on with their water kefir, and 
um, they're getting yogurt, different yogurt starters to, to try. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's awesome to see. And it's, it's such a great, um, it's a great way to share food, yeah. you know? I think it's amazing. So I think for, you know, as you said, like people do want to connect to nature and not everyone has the ability to grow their own food or, oh. you know, to, to work on a farm and have that kind of thing. And kefirs and kombucha and more, it's a great way to be a food producer in your own home. Totally. You know, by taking, you know, quality vegetables from good farmers and then taking that and then you can create your own stuff. And as I said, unique to your own kitchen. Like, you know, it's amazing. That's it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's super special. Yay, fermentation! <laughs> Yay! I need a little flag. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's it. That's it. Breaking the homogenization of our experience. It's not just yeah. food, you know? It's, it's everything. Hi, my name is Christine, and uh, I am the owner of Kayla, and this is Buster. He will be making sure that there's no... He's on security. He's on security. He's on security. <laughs> uh, for people listening and the noise in the background, it's nice because we're in a mobile brewery. Yes. It must be the only one in Ireland. Yeah, it is the only mobile brewery in Ireland. And you make kombucha? I do. Okay, tell us about your kombucha because what I love about your kombucha is it is really wild. Yeah, so I mean, I suppose we start with well water. So I'm based at Western Herds Brewery. Uh, I love using well water. I like using something that's really natural and the minerals, and you don't have any um, anything added in for the competition of the good bacteria. So I got to know these guys really well when I started using their water, and uh, I moved my little mobile brewery up, and we have a great relationship now. So that's the start of it, and um, I really like that side of it. And then there is, um, so I use Solaris's tea in uh, Galway. They get really great loose leaf teas. They visit the, they visit the people in the villages that pick the tea and stuff like that. So that's that's a really good uh, tea to use. And yeah, then they call that fair, that fair trade, fair chain. Yeah, and it's great because it's really empowering their mm. villages and it's kind of keeping their culture alive. So I I love the idea that that's where the tea comes from. And then you know that you're already starting with kind of good vibes in it as well. So I like that as well. And then I mix in uh, water kefir as well. So that's the first two brews. And then because I mix in the water kefir and the kombucha, I got it tested and it has a higher bacteria count and more diversity. And then I pick wild different botanicals. So the elderflower, there is gorse at the minute just outside the door. So that's the next one that I'm going to do. Ooh, nice. Kind of got a coconut flavor. Yeah. The the guys here have a, they did a, um, they did a Lambeck style beer. So we're going to mix maybe the kombucha and the beer together, but we might go with different maybe blackberries that were picked last year. So we're just working on the flavor Ooh. to mix in with it. So that was brewed in oak and then I brew in oak as well for the, the kombucha and the water kefir. And then I mix in the um, I mix in the botanical and then it's finished in the, the glass. And um, then I filter it and then I leave it just naturally carbonated. It gets filled into the bottles then. So I use dark bottles because they are light sensitive the good bacteria so just to make sure that it's kind of as vital as possible when you're drinking it so that's kind of most most of the info on that and then i give a 50 cent off um discount if someone brings back the bottle and then obviously it's done in a, a mobile brewery so 
um, that's kind of it and then everything that's used then is composted out the back and then you know essentially it doesn't go back exactly where I picked stuff but I like the idea that the waste goes back to where the botanicals are picked from really actually there is no waste there's no waste I mean and like uh, obviously there's the label is probably the only waste uh, like you know you can but that's where you're kind of getting a bit too obsessive you could actually <laughs> reuse the bottle cap as well so then it could be but then you know it's a bit ridiculous yeah. that's it. so uh, yeah it is like that's what I love about it I love the fact that you're working mostly with water because I really like water in, in all senses so you're working with a really nice um, natural kind of ingredients so that's um, it's a joy excellent uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up building a mobile brewery making kombucha yeah um well i suppose it's kind of little by little isn't it like like everything like uh kind you of just find this as it is yeah yeah i just like it came around the corner and i was like shit I'm it like, was there I'm that. <laughs> um yeah so i mean i grew up on a farm and um like yourself and uh then i just knew that i liked the lifestyle of being able to see the seasons and stuff like even less like chatting here like obviously for the last few hours <laughs> I like the fact that like you know we know the temperature that it is at this time of year whereas like you know I just found like when I went from the farm to school I didn't like the fact that like you're just sitting in the same environment all the time and um, I liked being able to like check the hedgerows out like we were saying earlier like I was that mind the gap child as well like so we spent a lot of time yeah, looking at the hedge in, in the hedge so yeah I just kind of like you know as much as I hated that role I was like yeah. oh it's fucking cool shit here yeah. I mean there's flipping good stuff in here so uh, yeah so then I just like I missed it then like you know when I went to college and and then when I was working like I worked in a, a design office doing interior architecture in Toronto and I wasn't great at the computer and I had done my final year in the regeneration and I focused on cradle to cradle like waste equals food and it was you know if you have a coffee shop and then I have uh, like horticulture maybe I can use your spent coffee grinds in my you know in my kind of like compost heap Mm. so I got really into the idea of how you could reuse things and stuff so um, that was something that I felt like I kind of went back to then when I realised that my computer skills weren't up to scratch and it was just wasn't for me. So I went back to landscape and then I worked with natural builders, which I had academically read about in college. And I really liked the ex- accessibility of whether you're old or young or you're strong or you're maybe just like that little bit more, you know, like slight that you can kind of be part of building, whether it's a house or a wall or whatever. So um, then I travelled by bike down the Pacific Northwest to learn from more people who were doing um, who were doing stuff like whether it was agriculture or like woodworking and kind of just, you know, working with their hands. Because I knew that I was good at working with my hands and I liked working with people and I wasn't great at working with the computer. So I just, that was my focus to have a job where I worked outside and that it was quite kind of like what I grew up with. So... Um, yeah, and also to have your dog come to work like Buster there. <laughs> <laughs> He's singing a tune in the background. Pick me, pick me, I want to talk. So, like, you wouldn't get that in an office, really, would you? No. <laughs> so that and the birds as well is, is a great backdrop. So uh, I just learned a lot of really good stuff from people. And just, like, there was that focus of how can you make it um, profitable as well? Because, like, you know, the thing of it is on our farm, it was obviously heavily subsidised by you know 
both of my parents having their own jobs and the single farm payment so mm-hmm. I just didn't want to rely on that and it was one of the reasons why I was told to go to college instead of like doing something in that industry so that's where fermentation kind of kept coming up where you have a shelf life and then also like I started doing broths first and I still do broth but the thing about kombucha versus the broth for me is the kombucha is easier to do because you know it's not as I'm not lifting like 20 kg of mm-hmm. bones in and out and so even though I love doing the broth like I kind of find that it, it wears like even when I'm doing like a big day I, I feel it in my wrist yeah I can imagine so whereas like you know like you know the other day when I picked the gorse I walk out I picked the gorse to come back in I boil the kettle do you know I decocked it and then I added into the brew and even though I still like I obviously still have to lift you know lots of 20 30 kg it's not the same mm-hmm. like when I'm lifting up the you know the the demijohns it's just not as hard on your body yeah. so I find that that was where it um it kind of just helped me um kind of achieve something where I could work um I could work by myself or I could work with other people. So mm-hmm. I suppose Kayla kind of came about where I went to a farmer's market with my stuff. And then I wanted to kind of celebrate all the people that had given me advice along the way. And like even meeting the likes of you, you yourselves um, and the idea of working together. And then, you know, the bacteria you're working with it as well. So I do more broth or I do more kombucha now than I do broth. And um, I just like the idea that you're working with something that's very alive and then to mix in things that are growing that are in season and then getting you know you're going to get a subtly different flavor each time for me is is fascinating and you're always kind of learning and then you can use different teas like i use like darjeeling jasmine white sinatra sam and then you can get a subtlety of a different flavor and even to the point where last year because the weather was like you know very cold and then very hot (laughs) the blackberries had a sweeter taste so yes. they were they were better than they've ever been yeah 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 so i love the fact that like you know for me like the reason why i like making and selling to people is i like you know i i, I like jazz now if someone makes it themselves about how they do it mm-hmm. but i like the idea that if you're busy and you're in the office and you want to kind of you know grab this on the go that this you know brand that is quite like i suppose wild as you said earlier yeah. is is available for you yeah i think um uh, when we spoke with Terry Ann about fermentation, the thing that came across was that fermentation is actually probably the most local food that you can have because it's so dependent, you know, on the environment that you make it in. But yours is even that step further because the botanicals are literally outside the back door of this mobile brewery. <laughs> Do you know that it's it couldn't be more local, like, and then you'd have to assume based on that that it's it's because it's seasonal within itself, and if you're drinking it fresh and live and getting it direct from you then it's probably at its best at the perfect time for you and for your gut health yeah like I I think it's so cool like and that's why I like the fact that the brewery is mobile like I mean it it does allow me like you know at the beginning because like obviously things need to be profitable for it to be Mm. like sustainable and so I wanted it to be a mobile brewery so I didn't have rent and rates so that I could spend more time going out and picking the stuff or spend more money on like better quality you know ingredients and Mm -hmm. stuff like the sugar and and the tea but it's it is that idea i think that i love as well the fact that it goes with the season here so it's not temperature controlled and i think it's better for the immune system of 
the SCOBY and like so therefore it's gonna give you a better it's gonna give you a better kombucha in the end, which mm-hmm. is gonna be full of more thriving bacteria. Yeah. As opposed to if I had it in do you know, like in a sterile, like temperature controlled laboratory type room, which an awful lot of food is, is kind of made mm-hmm, in now. Mm-hmm. Um and so I do like that and I do think that by brewing in the oak barrels like we were talking about earlier with the cooked documentary yeah proven with the cheese I do think that it helps the good bacteria thrive and the bad bacteria you know it's cause it's, comp- it's competition for it yeah because bad bacteria thrives in sterile environments you know whereas at least in a in a living environment it has good bacteria to compete with it and if we can feed the good bacteria then it's going to win out um yeah I, I that's what I really like about your kombucha because, you know, like we when we talk about vegetables and often people um, hear they're five a day and, you know, they want to eat more fruits and vegetables. But the nutritional quality of our vegetable is so dependent on the soil. You know, we can be growing vegetables organically even, but if we're not really feeding that soil, then the nutritional value of, of the vegetable that was grown in it mightn't be as good as it should be. It needs to be a living healthy soil to get a living healthy nutrient dense food and your kombucha is actually very much the same way because pretty much as we said it's outside the window (laughs) out the back door of the brewery to get it and the way you ferment it even in the oak barrels and stuff like that and you've actually proven that with your recent with your research as well yeah and like i like you know i'd love to do more of the dna sequencing to see exactly which bacteria is in it and see if you can draw them out with the different teas or the different botanicals but i i i kind of laugh because like you know i think that the debate of picking local versus organic is so true because if i use the same tea bag like 10 times like is there anything left there by the <laughs> yeah, end of it? yeah and sometimes i find that with like some organic vegetables you doesn't even smell like anything so yeah. therefore how is there any nutrients in it versus you know when i get my stuff in the urban co-op and like you know you're putting the carrots near the back of the van because all you can smell is carrots and onions <laughs> yeah, the whole way home and you're strong. like enough already so i find that's the same here where like i really like picking it like wild because i just think that sometimes you know i really like forage stuff because it has to survive the elements mm-hmm. and then it's almost like a stronger and the thing i love about fermentation um is it makes the you know, it makes whatever the medicinal or the nutrients ten times more bioavailable. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you're probably giving like you know, because I'm not science trained. It's just all stuff that I've kind of read, and it's it's out there to be read. But um, it's just probably giving it in a form that your body recognizes a bit, like soaking and sprouting. So, I think it's fascinating to be able to marry something that has a medicinal purpose, like with meadowsweet. It's good for pain relief because mm-hmm. of the silic acid. It's good for fever. And it was, you know, given to people in their bouquets for a happy marriage and joy. It's called June Bride. So I love the idea of marrying that with good bacteria. So then you're putting in, like we were saying earlier about your intuition, you're putting into your intuition kind of like ancient kind of like wisdom and maybe kind of happiness and joy. And then with your modern science then Mm -hmm. proved in a lab is great. But what I would love is I'd love to get into a lab for like one I'd love to get into a lab for a whole year because I think if you tested the same bottle over a year at different hours, because there's such complexity in the different bacteria, it's like a symphony playing. Mm-hmm. You would get different ones at different times. So you can get, and that's the beauty of any type of fermentation is there's just so many variables that you never get bored doing it. Yeah. 
Um, so like I love the fact that they all have their little their little role to play and then they forgo to the next person and then they, they let them kind of have their five minutes of fame. Yeah, but that's why it's really wild, isn't it? Because you, know, you, you can't tame it. Yeah. It's a living, natural thing. And we've become so afraid of bacteria. And, you know, we talked about um, earlier in the podcast about you know, the sterilization of our diets and how actually fermentation is a great tool for you to take as as a, a you know to take action in some way against that you know to take back control and to really create local food either a in your own kitchen through sauerkrauts and whatever else or by sourcing kombucha like your own that's really wild and yeah. in season <laughs> and i don't know i suppose like like that's the seed that was probably ultimately planted like with me anyway when we grew up on our farm is it was just that magic and it was mm-hmm. like christmas day like at different times a year because you know whether it's like oh my god you wake up and there's a lamb like born it's like when you wake up and there's snow or like if you plant something like garlic like even now you know and i kind of don't really want to know how all this stuff works because i like the magic of it but like you put in one bulb and then like you come back like you know six months later and then you have 10 bulbs like yeah it's funny like because you know in college like they're saying to us about like return on investment like well i mean I don't see many businesses having such a good return on investment. And yeah. the fact that you can plant this in your own back garden and come back with your kids six months later. Like my dad, we used to go out and like, you know, there was peas in the garden and he used to make the same joke like every year. I'm going out to have a pea in the garden. <laughs> and like, it was great. Like, I just loved it. Like, that so joke became seasonal as well. Was, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of jokes that did a lot of the rounds. You know, like, and even like things like, I like the idea of doing this because it reminds me of things that I would have done with like them on the farm. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would say, pick above the pea line. And yeah. I was like, what is that? Like, obviously, practically, it's, you know, the line that an animal could pee on. Something. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really true, you know, like, and I just think that, like, you know, they were saying, I just seen actually something uh, today, it was an article, and it could be a side business for you, <laughs> people are paying uh, to go to farms and hug cows now. Yes, yeah. And so, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, that's ultimately what, you know, I try and get across with Kayla. Like, for me, I love doing the process, so you know as long as I can keep doing that but like also you know I really I'm grateful for everyone that supports me and so what I want to give them in the bottle is just that little bit of like you know something that might be an anxiety reliever just Mm -hmm. because it is that bit of nature and I think that is like you know everybody knows it like you go for a walk and you feel less stressed so why not take a little bit of that hedgerow in and make yourself you know feel good through good bacteria and something that's medicinally grown and is a native like most of the stuff that i use is native mm-hmm. to ireland and i just think that there is you know a link and a connection between us and and those it's those really local food, isn't it it's really really local like yeah which is often so forgotten like our our diet is so global um that we have forgotten how to be in tune with the seasons and you'd assume that that would have an impact on our health and our diet because we don't, you know, like, I remember Camilla from Momo mentioned before about how, you know, in summer, the body's craving the lighter stuff, which is why salads are great and strawberries and all the, you know, in the Irish diet. And then in winter, we get a lot of tubers and, you know, rich, heavy veg that you have to mash and, you know, add all this stuff too. And that would make sense. Whereas now we're kind of eating salads in winter and turnips in June, you know? But yeah and it's it's funny because like I mean I like I traveled and I worked with different people and then I liked kind of like I got really into like 
I really loved seeing their soil. Yeah. And like I just like wanted to like you'd be like okay just be cool but like I'd be so like oh, I just want to go ahead and like <laughs> dig at their soil because it is like and that's I suppose where I first got really into bacteria. I worked with a guy. Uh, he was a an ex rock dude. I can't remember what they're called. Geologist or geologist. oh geologist. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so he got really into horticulture, and he was really into the soil and compost and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot from him. When I was learning about the different things that were grown in the different areas, and as you kind of study the plants and stuff like that, like here we have an awful lot of like different kind of leafy stuff that grows. It's really good for your lungs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you've seen. Have you seen that kind of weed? It's everywhere. It's like plantain. It's called yes. And it has that stringy thing. It's really yes. good for the lungs. And then there's a bunch of other things that are good for respiratory. And even I was in talking to a shop and I said, look, if you want to make a certain flavor for something, whether it's medicinal or something that people want, we can do that. And he was like, oh, let's do respiratory. But like the guy who was teaching me about the compost that was in Hawaii and they have loads of like plants for fungal because they don't get the cold season. Okay. The funguses okay. don't die. So then what happens when you get sick over there is you get a fungus. So then all of their plants are based on fungus. And even if you look at the likes of gorse and primrose, all of the kind of yellow flowers have kind of some element of like mood lifters. Yes. Because at this time of year we would obviously probably be that little bit fed up of winter. Yeah. So therefore you take something like gorse and then you drink that in a fermented food and then you have something in your gut that's kind of going, okay, look at, I'll get through this last, here. last crappy bit of weather yeah. before I move on to, you know, the next thing that might come in, which is elderflower, which when you drink that, it's full of immune so boosters yeah. and vitamin C. So therefore you're banking up your immune boosting before the winter hits and then you get the berries which is a more stronger version Mm -hmm. of okay now I actually have the cold or the flu so I'm going to take a stronger version of this at Mm. this time of year so I think that that like that's what I love like and I um I do rose and hawthorn as well I love doing them as a combo because rose is really good for like it's good for kind of skin hair nails and I think it's also good for kind of like you know menopause kind of like PMS all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff as well so it's quite a feminine one and then hawthorn is good for the heart it regulates the heart if you have higher low blood pressure it's also good for grief so whether it's like male or female who's drinking it i just find it quite a relaxing kind of like earthy kind of like uplift like yeah. if you i find when i pick the L hawthorn it just i find it very relaxing to be around that yeah. that tree and and so in the winter then you would pick the berries and there's just that little bit more of a a body to them that's less kind of like I find all the summer ones that are floral are, are quite light and up and like summer you know festival yeah they're, and you you can feel it in your tongue as well like mm. uh, I just had your meadow sweet do you know and you can just feel that like instantly to me obviously the smell I'm thinking summers and all that kind of stuff like you can really really taste the seasons without being overly kind of like like sounding like a marketing yeah <laughs> <laughs> without sounding like taste, a taste the hedgerow yeah taste but, the hedgerow but it reminds <laughs> me like and I love like even when you were saying that you wanted the quotes for International Women's Day like yeah. the thing I love about like this kind of stuff is I like that it's so engaged in the senses where different smells like transport you back to different times and, and that's scientifically proven that yeah you know the sense of smell you know is the strongest memory puller mm-hmm. and for me meadow sweet reminds me of when we used to do the hay and everyone yeah. used to come around and you'd have that smell and there is that kind of hay smell off it but it's just because it's that june like kind of june bride and it's june july august is its season 
it kind of has that fun lightness to it yeah but also you know it does have it it's kind of almost quite motherly where it has the fun element but it also has that whole pain relief and stuff like that so i find it quite you know grandmothery where you have the bit of crack with it because it's not going to be strict with you because you're not it's kid but it also <laughs> knows the remedies when yeah, you're, yeah. you're sick it's summer yeah <laughs> so it's, it's summer yeah <laughs> in your plant it's light yeah so i don't know i just i find uh, that's the beauty of fermentation and plants they all have a story and yeah. there is that folklore and we talked about that earlier with you and the clarified butter like it's the it's the ability to meet different people who are really into kind of agriculture and land and then they always have a story whether it's their own and their own discoveries or it's their family's discoveries or they've read a book about kind of things like the bog butter or like stuff like that I just find that's kind of the it's the the cream on top it's kind of the connection isn't it yeah it's it's a connection to your past in the present you know that you're able to connect to these things that have gone before us and bring them back to life really in some ways because we've lost a lot of that like fermentation is one of the oldest cooking techniques that we've known and yet people are just beginning to hear about kombuchas kefirs sauerkrauts you know they're just beginning to kind of almost on trend at the minute even though they're one of the oldest things that we've been doing for centuries yeah like it's so cool like and I really like Sandra Katz like stuff about fermentation whether it's the talks or the books and like he would say that you know fermentation is the bubbling over of excitement like that's what the word means yeah and I do think that it's like that's what I love about it and you know there is that kind of giddy excitement of it because it is kind of you know almost a magical alchemy especially because the you know if you let it kind of um, fizz and carbonate in the bottle too there is that kind of like joy and magic of kind of doing its own little world and stuff and um and yeah so I do think that there is that kind of thing of you know I love the idea that fermentation has this sexy new vibe of oh my god have you heard about this new thing of fermentation on trend yeah that's been around forever and like I mean it's brought so many good things like I think fermentation is like a very excited kid and they can get anything done because that's where pottery came from like it's where like people kind of like did loads of mad stuff like in Hawaii they used to dig a big hole and they just put a hole like you know a whole pig in the ground and then they'd come back to it when it was done and in Alaska <laughs> they have this thing called stink soup and uh, and it's sounds like, appealing I know <laughs> it's really really good for you but apparently it's it's disgusting maybe, maybe if you were like really really cold and in the winter in dire straits you'd have it but they just take like I think it's I can't remember fully like and I'll butcher it now but it's it's like the fin of a whale or it's something like that and then they leave it underneath their porch and it gets really smelly and then they have it because it's fermented and it's really good for them I mean I suppose it's almost that whole cod liver oil kind of yeah that's exactly what came into my head was cod liver oil as a kid yeah you bust the capsule and then you regret (laughs) yeah yeah instantly why do we do that to ourselves so it is that like and I mean even just listening to you talking about like your plans to do clarified butter like it's just like I love the fact that fermentation allows you to be kind of inexperienced and to play but also you can go back and look at thousands of years of history of like you know how people used to do things and I also like the thing I like about uh, kombucha too is that there's so many different like stories about it like Chinese whispers of oh it started in like this cabin where someone left this tea out and then this scoby <laughs> just grew and then oh no they wanted to keep their emperor this alive this alien came and yeah. took over <laughs> yeah E.T. arrived down and he goes jeez this drink is great 
Babs, get this. Where's the medal seat? Yeah. He's, my, he's my endorser. He just went back 2,000 years ago and, and picked it up and brought it. So, yeah, like, I think that's that's the beauty of it. And it is, you know, obviously this was normal. I'd say if we went back 100 years ago before people had fridges and electricity and you were like, oh, I have this butter or whatever, people would be like, sure, we all have it. Yeah. So I think it's so exciting to see everybody going back that way, whether they're doing it at home or they're just making it part of their life by you know buying from other people yeah it's great buying from other people where can people get your kombucha they can buy it in any local health food shop i distribute with irish independent health food so they deliver to health food shops that's mm-hmm. in the catalog there and um, there is technically an online shop so if anybody <laughs> wanted it me not being great they have to find me, you in the mobile brewery me not being great in the computer but like you know <laughs> that can be worked out as well and then there is like I do supply restaurants as well so it is in restaurants cafes and bars and if anyone had somewhere like that and they wanted to stock it they could get on to me because the, I have a distributor in Galway as well who, who goes to the different restaurants so it's in different places, like it's in Kai Restaurant in Galway, it's in Hotel Doolin, it's in Western Herds Pub McHugh's Bar, uh, Buster does home delivery. <laughs> it comes with a house. Buster just uh, has a little crate that he just pulls along after him. He's obviously on strike, watching yeah. better working conditions. So he's That's what the banner's yeah. about. Help me, please, save me from this slave labour. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Just um, get in touch, basically. Yeah, totally. Check out the website. It's kayla.ie. C-E-I-L-E. And then we can find you on Instagram. Yep. And yep. Twitter. I'm not, I'm not great on Twitter. I kind of post stuff from Twitter. I post stuff from Instagram to Twitter. And I'd say people <laughs> who properly use Twitter are I like, what I are you hate doing? these people who <laughs> post from Instagram because I never see their photos. So I actually think that if, if I was using Twitter as a promotion, it's probably working in the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so find you on so Instagram. <laughs> Instagram and I do Facebook as well. So Perfect. Yeah. That's it. Thanks a million, Christina. Thanks very much. That's it for now, folks. Thanks a million for listening. To those of you who produce food, why not join the fair food movement? Get involved, get in touch, join us. And if you're into fair food, then become a supporting member or check out our Patreon page to help us create more content like this. Until next time, eat well, choose fair. <laughs>